0: Hello, I'm John Cameron and welcome to Musicology.
1: And what do you say to the people who say you're just a naughty girl trying to shock?
2: I say that they shouldn't feel ashamed about having those feelings.
0: <laughs> 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 By the arrival of the 90s, Madonna was one of the biggest stars in the world. Having created an exceptional discography, accompanied with groundbreaking videos, spectacular live performances, and an incredible catalogue of men. Now was the perfect time to put together a compilation of her greatest hits. But of course, this is Madonna. It couldn't be just a Greatest Hits album.
3: Baby, it's time, so why waste it in chapter? Let's settle the matter. Baby, you mind on a platter. I always get my
0: She recruited Chet Pettibone, who had remixed a few of her songs during the 80s for single releases, to rework 17 songs from her back catalogue, some of which would feature new composition or be a rejig from the multi-track masters, mixed using new 3D audio technology q Sound. This included their most recent original collaboration, the blockbuster Vogue. During the year before, Warner Brothers record label asked Pettibone if he would be interested in working with Madonna on new original music rather than just remixing. With just two weeks and a budget of $5,000, this is what he came up with. A pulsating rhythm and scattering almost percussive-like synths. in a bed of even more synthesized strings. It wasn't atypical of what Shep was doing at the time, but it does have an ambience of class, which would later be emphasised by its lyrics. review the music he submitted and would be on a plane to New York, standing in a closet that had been refurbished to a recording booth, she delivered her lines in single takes.
2: You know, but in the end, for me, that's, that's, those are always the things that have done so well in my career, the things that I didn't put too much emphasis on, the things that I didn't try so hard.
0: Pop started both sonically and visually. The initial plan was to include it as the B-side to an upcoming single from a previous album. Obviously, such a track deserves the spotlight it received. Vogue would sell 6 million copies in 1990 and hit number one in 30 countries. It would be added to the movie soundtrack for Dick Tracy at the last minute, but it does arguably work so much better on the Immaculate Collection, in the context of the preceding songs, building from the classics of the 80s to the now. Just three days before the Immaculate Collection was delivered, Justify My Love would be released as a single. Produced by Lenny Kravitz and Andre Betts, the sampled Public Enemy's Security of the First World, who sampled James Brown's Funky Drama, and added a bass to create an early example of the trip-hop genre.
2: It's about a woman who's talking to her lover and she's saying tell me your dreams am i in them tell me your fears are you scared tell me your stories i'm not afraid of who you are you know we're dealing with sexual fantasies and being truthful and honest with our partner and these feelings exist you put this in me
3: so now what so now
0: Madonna's vocal delivery is a reflective indication of what she would do next, despite not her own words. The direction of her path was firmly pointed.
1: But isn't the problem that the message you're trying to deliver is obscured by the fact that they say it's Madonna who's done it?
2: No, because they're afraid of of my ideas. You know, they just want life to go on as they know it. They want women to be their sex objects. They can go to Playboy and Penthouse and go to strip shows. They want to control when they want to see the nudity. And I'm saying, hey, this is, you know, my body. And if I want to take my shirt off, I'm going to do it.
0: Having already challenged censorship, resulting in commercial succession, it seemed fitting for what would come next a coffee table book of softcore pornography titled Sex, and an album of accompanying themes titled Erotica.
2: Well, after I wrote Justify My Love, I was approached by several publishing companies for some strange reason to write erotica. And then Stephen Meisel, photographer, I've always been bugging him and saying, how come you never did a book? And he said, well, finally he said, well, I'll do it if you do it with me. And that's what it is. It's a book of erotic fantasies. As told by Dita Paolo, a character, and there's pictures also. The pictures sometimes go with the text, and sometimes they stand alone.
0: With sex already in the works, Madonna recruited Shep Pettibone and Andre Betts once again as the primary producers of the album. Their typical production style did differ, but the approach was the same, at the insistence of Madonna.
2: I mean, it probably has a sort of a, a gritty, a more gritty quality, and more club quality, but. Um, because that's what I like right
0: now. Erotica would push the boundaries of what could be written about in pop music. Its subject matter, though, would overshadow the quality of work that the project is. Those who listened were rewarded with an experience of quality, diversity and revolution. (coughs) The album's title track, Erotica, had its beginnings with producer Junior Vasquez under the title Love
3: Hurts.
0: (laughs) Its first verse is mostly the same to what would end up in what it would become, even down to its vocal delivery. Real change begins with the chorus. The second verse is also completely different, asserting the hierarchy of the described situation. third verse reverts back to familiarity. Its repetitious instrumental may reflect an attempt to have its lyrical content as the main point of focus, When it was decided that Shep Pettibone would be the primary producer of her next project, their early versions of the revamped song would continue along similar lines. Dubbed as You Thrill Me by fans, it utilises a basic drum pattern and more prominent bass rhythm, with a sample of Jungle Boogie by Coolin' the Gang during the chorus.
3: a thing in spite of all the pain that love can bring tell me what can i do i'm so in love with you
0: This production more closely reflects the penultimate version of the song, with significant changes to the instrumental from what had been worked on with Fastwoods. The album version of Erotica would, for the most part, maintain the verses envisioned from its inception, but would dispense of all the choruses tried and tested as Love Hurts and You Thrill Me.
3: I could bring you so much pleasure. I'll come to you when
0: you say. What replaced them would be catchier and more provocative. The desired reaction was achieved, to the extent that the usage of one of its samples would spark a lawsuit. The looped part translates from Arabic to, he crucified me today. The sample's religious literalism juxtaposing the song's sexual mysticism. the composition is comparatively fuller than the earlier versions, even without Pettibone's attempts to add strings to the song, which were quickly dismissed by Madonna.
2: It's like my book. It's like, what are ideas and things that I think are erotic? Right. I, not, I haven't necessarily experienced them. It's like my, my album. I know that people enjoy these things.
0: The track wouldn't just be realised with what appeared on the album. Accompanying the sex book would be a single track CD. Yet another experience of the song simply titled Erotic. The mix is more unconventional. The bass is removed during the spoken section and the vocal is dry gaining subtle reverb only when singing. As far as the lyrical content is concerned, it is mostly the same, with a few s and related lines added throughout, possibly to appropriate it more with its literary material. Another fairly completed track presented to Madonna was Deeper and Deeper, Philly house club banger, with some flamenco influences, a combination that, on paper, stretches the imagination. Pettibone had mostly finished the track, allowing Madonna to either custom write or adapt her own lyrics to the instrumental.
3: You. That's why I can't help falling deeper I go.
0: The most radical change from the original backing track was the instrumental bridge which was a continuation of the rest of the song, with some emphasis on the house-style piano. As Madonna and assisting engineer Tony Shimkin were transferring the demo version to a new multi-track in preparation for mixing, Shimkin was messing around on his acoustic guitar, playing a Spanish-like lead. Madonna loved it and insisted on adding it to the song to the initial resistance of Tony and Shep, To maximise the flamenco feel and keep it consistent with the rest of the track, they added castanets and violas throughout. The subtle fusion worked. The impromptu customisation didn't end there. During production, Pettibone was singing lines from their first collaboration together, Vogue. They ran with the masher and paid homage towards the end of the song on the released version.
2: We definitely did that at the end. I'd written that song and when we were actually recording doing the final vocals, I just went off into that for a second because to me, it's just one of those great kind of feel-good dance songs and a tribute to that too. I project lots of different things. I talk about lots of different ideas, but the public only wants to see me in one way. And that is as a a, a very calculating, power-hungry manipulator.
0: Initially written for a musical adaption of Wuthering Heights by Alex Kashishian, who directed Madonna's Truth or Dare film, Rain became possibly the most radio and family-friendly single on the album.
1: Let's talk about the album again and go back to Rain. It seems to be about security about personal security.
2: Actually, it was a song that was inspired by Heathcliff. As in? The story. Mm-hmm. Oh, with- really? Withering Heights. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have a friend who's obsessed with the story and he-, he wants to make a movie about it, a musical, so we were always talking about it. So it's kind of like, I just got that song
1: in my head. And- Heathcliff is every 15-year-old girl's dream come true isn't he the ideal man he's, he's dangerous mm. he's sexual mm-hmm. and he's tragic. wrong for you mm-hmm. uh, wrong for you but he'll come back and get you in the end Kathy yeah. um do you was he your 15 year old dream
2: oh I've always been attracted to bad boys so of course <laughs> yeah
1: and, and the song is about Heathcliff.
2: well it was inspired by Whittling Heights the yeah. story of Kathy and Heathcliff
0: Heathcliff is characterised as an enigmatic, power-driven and cruel figure. In spite of that, his attachment to the female character Cathy is unwavering, and his gestures of such are a strange romance, yet alluring. Madonna recorded her lead vocal over Shep's instrumental, and a mixdown was completed in November of
3: 1991.
0: Just under a month later, she would add the harmony vocals and much later the background, taking the vocal mix to a more striking performance.
3: In a sky. You promised me when you said goodbye. That
0: The scene would be remixed by Daniel Abraham for the single, giving it a more contemporary sound. This mix removes the scattered rhythms to a more natural sounding drum track and replaces most of the synthesizers present on the album version.
3: Tell myself that before, if I
2: believe in you in the I dream, dream of you understand you more, throw my and heart more, and all my and soul and that by sheer force of feel like a magic raise child. You from the ground. Without a sound you'll appear. And surrender to me
3: to love Rain is what the
0: did enter the charts and peak at number five in Australia, it's one of the few examples of the depth the album has to offer. Not every track is related to the themes of the sex book, and for those that bothered to notice, are left with gems like Rain. Up to this point in the album, it's perhaps easy to forget that Shep Pettibone and Tony Shimkin wouldn't be the only producers. Madonna had worked with Andre Betts a couple of years earlier on the very controversial Justify My Love. The lyrical content and musical feel of that song is something of a precursor to erotica, and while the Pettibone sessions meant that finding a place for other producers was getting tight, she sought after Betts for his contributions. Where Life Begins is their first collaboration that appears on the album and the first they wrote together during the sessions. Beginning with a jazzy introduction to an R&B-infused rhythm, it would almost seem as though the profane content was given a rest. At least until the lyrics begin.
2: A lot of people talk-
1: one song in particular which I enjoy, which is Where Life Begins. Oh, good. There's a message there, and it's a funny song as well.
2: Well, it's innuendo, too, because in, in a, you know, it, first it's the implication that girls like to go out. It's like, if you say, I'd like to eat out tonight, you, it, you could, it could be taken as, I'd like to go out to a restaurant. So there's like the surface of it, right? There's the surface meaning, and then, of course, hopefully, the majority of people will get that it's also a, a sexual reference. and. Um, I truly believe that every girl should experience eating out. <laughs> in both in both cases. Oh, um, sexually and in restaurants.
1: And could the Or two... sometimes
2: the two could meet.
1: Yeah, they could be combined. Have <laughs> to be in a very liberal western, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> Got any um, any tips on the frequency that we're talking about here?
2: <laughs> on a regular basis. Absolutely.
0: Throughout a series of metaphors, Madonna gives detailed direction along with the pros and pros of oral sex. While none of the 4BETS songs featured on the album would be released as singles, Where Life Begins would probably have been the best candidate, although even with its creative poeticisms there's only so much you can censor a song.
2: If anybody writes anything, whatever, any writer, there's, a, there's something of that, that writer in, in, in their work, even if it's fiction.
0: Bad Girl takes its place as the sixth track on the album, and arguably a break from the more sexualized and danceable material. was originally going to be titled Drunk Girl, and before that had the working title Cheat. Its production didn't change significantly from Shep's original instrumental, but there are a few interesting versions. The original demo is essentially the same as the released version, however she repeats the first verse where the second would later be. This seems to suggest that the song wasn't written on a whim like many of the others at the time. Another oddity is what has been labelled as the guitar demo, featuring a distorted guitar overdub from Paul Pesco. It begins during the second verse, which at this stage of production, still hasn't had its lyrical update. Listening to it, it's easy to tell why it didn't make the final cut, not really adding anything to the ominous feel of the song and its character. If anything, it got in the way. It's
2: about a girl who's in a relationship um that's no longer working but she really cares for the person and she's having a hard time saying goodbye and she's unhappy with the situation and so here she is getting drunk smoking too many cigarettes hanging out with someone that she doesn't really care about because she's trying to distract herself from the reality that she's in a relationship she needs to come to terms with and it's just basically she's not happy with her present situation and she doesn't know how to end it
0: in an era full of iconic styles and performances The one that stands out is most probably Bad Girl, performed on Saturday Night Live. Madonna sits on a chair with a van behind her, belting out the full range and emotions that seem to be present on the original. The performance is perfect, and the only time Bad Girl has been performed live.
3: Are there times when you're out of control?
2: Absolutely. Like when my record is released, I have no control over how people react to it, what they're going to think of it, whether they're going to want to buy it or not. I don't... I can't control public perception. Only thing I can control is my work, what I do in the studio.
0: Deeper and Deeper wouldn't be the only track to reference something from Madonna's back catalogue. Utilising a beat from Joe Tex's Papa Was 2 and lifting a horn sample from Tom Scott and the LA Express's Sneakin' in the Back, Andre Betts builds the rhythmic structure for waiting. It was
2: so easy in the beginning when you didn't feel like running from your feelings like you are now.
0: Adding a bass in the synthesizers, the basic instrumental was complete. This would also contain a vocal sample from their previous hit Justify My Love
2: I wish I could leave you.
0: Or at least have the courage to leave you While another good candidate for a single release it would have a new life as a B-side in a remixed form featuring rapper Everlast The rhythm track is different, but not too far from the original style. Much like Rain, it's an alternate take on the song without the removal of what made the original great. Andre Betts and Madonna's relationship became more playful as the album sessions continued. As Betts and fellow musicians were waiting for her to arrive at the studio for a revision of Waiting, he decided to you freestyle a rap over did the song's you instrumental. You know
3: what did it? Did you do it? You know what did it? I let the seat gone and I hit it. Did you do it? You
0: the lyrics are an internal it. reference you to you the speculation you know that I Andre and Madonna did were you having sex.
3: You know I I
0: the track, while containing only a repeated minimal amount of the primary artists peppered throughout, would have its place on the album much to Beth's initial disagreement until a royalties discussion took place. Its spot on the album would grant a parental advisory sticker, yes, even after everything else, which is why it was left off of certain versions. Listening to it in the context of the album, it's definitely an oddity. Perhaps it would have critically fared better had it been regulated as a B-side.
2: It's a very sort of bluesy kind of, you know, lady sings the blues. Oh, my man, I love him so, he'll never know.
1: That's true as well, isn't it, about relationships generally? I mean, people always end up with the most unsuitable people.
2: Yeah, you always want what's bad for you. You always want what's wrong for you.
0: Madonna's relationships with gay males extended far beyond her fandom. Martin Burgoyen managed Madonna on her first tour designed an early album cover, and was by her side for much of her early career. He supported her after she was raped, and she supported him after he was diagnosed with HIV, emotionally and financially. This early exposure to the unbiased tragedy of the disease led her to become somewhat of an advocate for the disease's victims. When asked about gays and AIDS during interviews, she would unremittingly declare her support. It's often forgotten just how unfashionable it was, even still in the early 90s.
2: I don't know anything about death since I've never died, but I've certainly been around it since a very young age. I mean, I seem to be surrounded by it to a certain extent because of um, AIDS, a lot of my friends have died of AIDS, and when I was younger, my mother died, then my uncle died, and my grandfather died, it seemed like everyone was dying all the time, so death was this kind of obsession, strange obsession that I had, because it was so mysterious, and it always took away the people that I loved, Um, so yes, I am afraid of it, but I think as I grow older and the more that I know, I think the less afraid of it.
0: The instrumental track would remain mostly the same from Shep's original to what ended up on the album. making the synth strings slightly less prominent, as well as the additions of creeping cymbals, discreet horns, and symphonic synth overdubs throughout the verses.
1: Do you think that there's a positive side to people reading this if you like? insofar as if there were people out there who are perhaps a former, a famous person who's gay, who is open about that, then it makes it so much easier Absolutely. for Absolutely,
2: I think that gays need to have more role models, people who, who are in powerful positions coming out and saying, I'm gay, I think that would be very helpful. Absolutely. People have always accused me of being a sort of raving nymphomaniac and they said things that I did with men that weren't true and they said things that I did with women that aren't true. I'm very intrigued by bisexuality and homosexuality. That doesn't mean that I necessarily experience it. And I don't think it's relevant. And if people say, oh, she stays with women, I don't bother to deny it because I don't think it matters. It's, it's really, who cares?
0: For an album so often accused and remembered for its unapologetic sexual expression, its depth is perfectly articulated in this song, chipping away at the superficial perceptions of the project and its star, at least for those who listened. Quite a profound statement for a song that Madonna wrote in just 15 minutes. There would be a handful of outtakes from the erotica sessions, with the most notable being Goodbye to Innocence. A lyrical proclamation of self-achieved fame in the face of those attempting to take credit.
2: There are some who believe that I owe them something, but they're wrong. I owe nothing to no one but myself. And there are some who say they created me, but only my parents will have that acclaim. I took it from there.
0: The initial versions of the track featured a rapid rhythmic structure, with binary funk licks from guitars and synth stats. The words are clear and hard-hitting, impossible for the listener to misinterpret the message, even during this era. The song would later be completely re-recorded with a more House-style feel. In a similar vein to the rest of the Pettibone-Shimkin productions, although arguably sparser. What was the main hook in the previous version is now subdued, formatted within what could be perceived as a bridge. Neither version would make it to the final configuration of Erotica, but the second would be released on a compilation a year later. But at the time, a 12 minute dub of the remix would be released as a B-side to the Rain single. Titled The Up and Down Suite." it does feature some vocals peppered throughout, but not enough to make it a succinct song. Despite its chequered history, Goodbye to Innocence was still important to the album. During the mixing stage, Madonna began to sing the words to Peggy Lee's Fever. would be the final song recorded for Erotica, the fourth single released, and the final of three number one hits garnered from the project.
2: I think that one shouldn't negate that side of them. It's not, I don't think that you have to ignore your sexuality or your sexual charisma or whatever you want to call it. I don't think that's an, a negative thing if you want to get ahead in life.
0: Success, a plethora of remixes spawned, with one often being favoured over the original.
3: Titled Edit One.
0: This version would also be a remix contributed by Daniel Abraham, and featuring specially recorded background vocals by Nikki Harris and Donna Delory. This mix would be utilised for the music video and the performance in the accompanying tour. Erotica was a statement. It showed the world that Madonna could do whatever the fuck she wanted, and fuck whatever she wanted. The controversy ensured commercial success, with sex selling 150,000 copies in its first day, and erotica now having sold upwards of 6 million copies. Removed from the controversy collectively spurred up by the media and Madonna, the album stands on its own as a peak in a catalogue full of highs. Its content may still shock some, but that's what great art does. The fact that it can still challenge people is a testament to its cultural necessity, much like Madonna herself. Thank you for listening to John Cameron's Musicology. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes or sharing on social media.